0: Hello, friends. Alan Kirshner here from Eschatos Ministries. Since we went live with Bible Prophecy Daily, we have delivered a program every weekday to listeners. With a premillennial, pre wrath, rapture focus, our Bible teachers are the best at helping Christians understand and prepare for Christ's return. Would you prayerfully consider your regular support of this ministry? You can easily do so by clicking the support button in the corner of the podcast website at BibleProphecyDaily.com. Thank you. You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Greetings, fellow believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles handy, you might want to look at Matthew 27 51 through 53. There's a lot of misunderstanding about the event that is recorded here. I think it's serious enough that it needs to be taught. While Jesus was on the cross, all the sins of the world were placed upon him, and his soul experienced A judicial separation from God the Father and from the Holy Spirit. As this judgment upon sin was felt by Jesus, he proclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew the answer. It was because you are holy. And as the judgment was completed, Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, it is finished. Now, this word was placed upon the legal documents of debt to indicate that the debt had been satisfied It means paid in full. And since the debt of sin had now been fully satisfied by his spiritual death on the cross. Jesus finished the task for which he came into the world and he let his soul and spirit depart into the hands of the father. As he cried, father, into your hands. I dismiss my spirit and immediately the sign of justice satisfied was felt in the land as a great earthquake occurred and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now at Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two, it says that the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That is, actually, many bodies of the saints who had died were brought back to life. The earthquake mentioned at verse 51 caused many, probably not all, of the tombs to be shaken and opened. This allowed access to those tombs, and in many cases, it allowed egress to those who had been restored to life. Notice that the literal translation is raised. However, based on the intent of the narrator, which is further based on scriptural proof, the interpretive translation should read, were brought back to life. At verse 53, it says, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Notice that this coming out, occurred after his resurrection. Now, it's reasonable to think that they were restored to life also after his resurrection and not at the time uh, of the earthquake. I can't imagine that these people were brought back to life immediately after the earthquake and then stayed in the tomb for three days before they came out. Although it is possible that they were raised and came out at the time of the earthquake, and simply didn't enter into Jerusalem until after Christ's resurrection. It's not crucial nor provable, but I think it's most reasonable that these saints were brought back to life after the resurrection and then subsequently appeared in the city. The empowering factor is the actual resurrection of Jesus. The power is in the resurrection. Philippians 3.10 uses the term, uh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Although the resurrection is the proof that there was a spiritual victory on the cross, that is a payment for sin. Acts 17:31 indicates uh, because he has set a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all people. By raising him from the dead. Now it seems more likely to have this power shown after Christ's resurrection than before. And the appearance of the resuscitated believers would be testimony to both factors. One, the spiritual factor of pain for sin. And two, the physical victory over death. Another factor to consider is that Matthew's knowledge of this would be after the fact. Uh, perhaps himself encountering some of these saints. And we really have no way of knowing when they were raised, unless by their own words. It thus remains most logical to me that these saints were brought back to life after Christ's resurrection. Now, for the most important issue, this raising was not resurrection. It is simply a restoration to physical life. Uh, The proof is at 1 Corinthians 15, 22, 23. For as by means of Adam all die, so also by means of Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ's at his coming. Notice the order. Each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. That is the first to receive a resurrection body. After that those who are Christ's at his coming. There was and will be no one resurrected until Christ returns. The language demands a precise chronological order. So the first one to be resurrected was Jesus in about 30 AD. And since then, no one has been resurrected. No Old Testament believers, no New Testament believers, no one. Therefore, those at Matthew 28, 52 were not resurrected. They were restored to life. They were resuscitated. Now, this is exactly the same thing that happened with Lazarus, who had been dead four days. John 1117 17 44. Lazarus was not resurrected. He continued to live a normal life after he was brought back to life. John 12, 1 and 2 says, therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a dinner there, and Martha was serving, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. There are many other examples of God's power bringing believers back after actually dying physically. As to mention a few, Elijah and the widow's son at 1 First Kings, First Kings 17, 17 through 24. Elijah and the Shunammite's son at Second Kings four eighteen through thirty seven, Jesus and the synagogue uh, ruler's daughter at Matthew nine eighteen through twenty five, Peter and Dorcas at Acts nine thirty six through forty two. So now back to Matthew twenty seven. Who were these people? Well, of course, they were saints. They were believers. Furthermore. They would have to be believers who had just recently died, anywhere from days to a few years, because otherwise their presence would be no big deal. Imagine someone who died 200 years ago, and he comes walking through the streets in a restored physical body, and guess what? Nobody knows who the heck he is. But my friend, my relative, or the seller of fish at the market who died recently, If they come walking through the street, then that will get people's attention. It's also reasonable to imagine a a testimony from these people that once I was dead, but now I'm alive, as well as a message that relates it to the resurrection of Jesus. I think it would certainly be some kind of evangelistic message. Doesn't seem to be any other reason for such a miracle to occur. Now, what about the future of these people? Did they stay on earth and die again? Yes, of course, just as Lazarus did. Also notice that it states that it was many, not all. That's because it was not resurrection. And there would only be an impact on the people in the city if these were familiar people who had been brought back to life. Some argue that this is not a very nice thing. For these dead believers to be brought back to life and then to continue to live. Uh, While others who had died who were in paradise, they get transferred into the third heaven when Jesus ascends. But this is an issue of God's sovereignty and wisdom. Leave it there. Uh, One could argue the same about Lazarus. And Tabitha at Acts 9.40. And the daughter of Jairus who was only 12 at Luke 8.52. And even Paul, who died and went to the third heaven, but then was resuscitated, according to a study at Acts 14 and 2 Corinthians 12, this is no issue at all. The acts and miracles of God are from his perfect wisdom, and he knows what is best and how best to bring happiness to his children. Now, it has been suggested that because the Greek verb egeiro, E-G-E-I-R-O, is used at Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two, that it must refer to resurrection. This is laughingly incorrect. Please pardon my light ridicule, but I must belabor it here only because there are some who actually believe this. Uh, John 12, 1, which states that Lazarus was raised from the dead, the verb agero is used and obviously refers to a restoration to life. And Matthew 10.8, instructions to the disciples to raise the dead uses the same word. And it most certainly refers to restoration to physical life. Furthermore, the verb agero is used for several different ideas of raising up. It's used for raising a building at John 2.20. It's used for bringing someone on the scene at Acts 13.22. It's used for getting up from sleep. At Matthew 8:25, it's used for simply getting up and moving. Mark 1:31. Uh, it's used for a healing at Acts 3:7, lifting a sheep out of a pit at Matthew 12:11, and the phrase "get up, let's go" at Matthew 26:46. This certainly allows the use of the word agairo at Matthew 27 for restoration to physical life. And more importantly, the statement at 1 Corinthians 15 demands it. Now, the situation is quite simple. Aguero is a valid word for restoration to physical life. Such a restoration is the only thing that fits all the facts. The simple, literal language of 1 Corinthians 15 demands that there be no one resurrected until Christ returns. So until then, let's find comfort in knowing that since we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have died through Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who remain. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds for a meeting with the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.